Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, with me, David Oram. In this extra edition, I'm delighted to be joined by one of the most universally acclaimed and popular names in cricket podcasting, the cricket couch himself, Subash Jayaraman. Uh, Subash, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for the lovely introduction, David. <laughs> well, of course, you are now effectively retired as the uh, uh, the, the, the cricket couch. Um, although I'm sure I'm not alone in hoping that uh, we might see you uh, return sometime from your Reichenbach Falls and uh, and come and come back to the couch. But what what have you been doing with yourself? What are you doing with your time instead of doing that now? Uh, well, the um, I'm retired from doing the cricket couch podcast, um, <laughs> and it, you know. Uh, that's straight up some time. Um, so I have tried to go back to writing on my own blog, uh, not for any publication or outlet, but, you know, watching cricket and thinking about cricket for my own sake uh, and nothing else. So it's, 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 it's freed me up mentally um, and, uh, you know, no pressure of deadlines and stuff like that. So it's been fun. So. Yeah, no, I, I, Totally get you. It's it is funny when you start sort of like trying to look at it from a different perspective. You actually can tend to forget your own original perspective and start falling out of love with cricket a little bit. No, I, I admire you to sort of like keep that passion aflame. Um, my, you're you're joining me here mainly as a, as an expert on the Indian cricket scene uh, for obvious reasons. Um, They've got this test series coming up with uh, West Indies starting shortly. Do you have uh, passion for that? Yeah, of course. Um, I love watching Test cricket. Um, so yes, I am interested, invested uh, in seeing how it pans out. Um, you know, and it's all plus it's at a very good um, time of day. It's like having a job because when you wake up in the morning, have your breakfast. Test cricket starts at 10 a.m. in the Caribbean uh, because I live in the United States, so it's perfect. You know, I. If I'm at work, then I can have it on my phone or my extra iPad, whatever. Um, and then uh, when I'm done with work uh, for the day at 5 p.m., cricket ends, and then I pack up and uh, go home. So <laughs> in that sense, it's fantastic. No, I can't, can't get better than that. Um, I think most people are expecting uh, India to, to, to win this uh, series. Do you share that, uh, that, that, that positiveness, that optimism? Oh, well, I don't think it necessarily is positivity or optimism. It, that's what the ICC test ranking table tells us. It's it's that India is number two ranked test team in the world and West Indies are number eight. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, you still have to play the game, the game. Um, so, and as we see, saw last year uh, when, um, uh, when uh, West Indies drew 1-1 the series against England at home. So, um so things can happen, uh, but going by um, uh, current form, the composition of the team and the reputations, and also the fact that you have 
Jerome Taylor and Dinesh Ramdin not being not going to be featured in the test side because one was dropped, another one was, has retired. Mm. Uh, that significantly weakens an already weaker uh, West Indies squad because this is not your best uh, 11 or 15 players in the Caribbean for whatever reasons that have been discussed in detail by um, the late Tony Cozier and others. Um, so, uh, on paper, India are much, much stronger opposition to West Indies, even though the West Indies are playing at home. Yeah. But, however, um, weird things do happen. So, at the outset, I'll give India 9-1 um, uh, <laughs> of uh, winning the series. Okay, okay. Well, well, because you can never it? rule, mathematically, you cannot rule out the other side. No, and, and I, I share your expectation that uh, India will uh, prevail in this series. Uh, I don't share your assessment of uh, the West Indies' relative strengths. Um, it's been written about um, the omission from the West Indies side of Dwayne Bravo, Chris Gale, now uh, Ramdin, Taylor, others. Um, I personally think that... Uh, Case by case, some of those guys are, are well past their best at Test cricket, or have underperformed, or uh, or, or, or different sort of things. Um, I personally wouldn't have left out Dennis Ramdin from the West Indies side, but only because he's still the best keeper to my mind in the Caribbean. He is on paper a better bat than Dalrich, but he's serially underperformed, and uh, I don't expect there to be lesser returns in his case. Taylor's gone right off the boil. There is a little bit of thinness in the West Indies attack but I still think they might be able to surprise and test the Indian batsman I mean how I mean, with Miguel, Miguel Cummins um, mm. I saw him I think a couple of years ago um, playing in some first class cricket maybe two three years ago playing in first class cricket and he was fantastic um, so I hope his inclusion I mean I hope he is carrying that sort of form I don't know what his current form is but if he were to have that sort of form um, it won't be an easy walk for India but you know, test cricket especially, when you have a in class of yeah. cricketers, um, experience of being there, done that, doing that, uh, that comes through more often than not. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot less random. So, which is why I am, if this were a um, ODI series or a T20 series, I wouldn't put India as such overwhelming favourites but since it's test cricket and it's tough uh, so I try to I'm, try, I'm leaning towards a side that has already travelled a lot for two years uh, together they toured Australia England South yeah. Africa so on and so forth so that which is why I'm leaning heavily towards India yeah. I, I, and I entirely support you in that. I just always, I, I'll always challenge the thinking that, particularly what I read in the international press, that West Indies aren't playing their best side, particularly at the uh, uh, the, the, the five day format. Um, the likes of Gale, yes, he'd strengthen the the, the side, but uh, I'm not sure that his fitness would see him through five days. That 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 kind of thing. So I, I just don't. Like the assumption that West Indies aren't playing their best side, but certainly India are far, far stronger thing on paper. Kohli, um, uh, I saw a great deal of him in the CPL. I watched a lot of him in that different format, of course. But really, he's he's batting. As... Obviously, you meant to say IPL. Sorry, I meant to say IPL. You're quite right. You're quite right. I watched a lot of him in the IPL, and uh, he, he seems to have gone onto a different gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. Uh... He, uh, I think, 
I when I when he came on the international scene as an under-19 captain um, in the late uh, late part of the last decade around 2008, um, and then when he made his entry into the Indian side um, in the ODI squad first, and then into the test side and you know he actually made his debut in West Indies in 2011 mm. and he was this brash young man and he was blowing kisses to Fiddle Edwards when Edwards was you know testing him with quick short delivery into his body it was all over uh, the park and you know and he survived uh, to the close of day along with uh, Rahul Dravid but next morning Fiddle got him um, so but then he was, and after that he was dropped from the side, and he came back on the strength of uh, performances, uh, especially in ODI's side, playing for India, and also the fact that uh, you know a lot of the older generation was moving on. And then he made a fantastic 75 at Perth when the rest of the side didn't do well, and then he scored a hundred at Adelaide, and that kind of uh, pushed him, uh, you know, tried to give him a more concrete. Um, spot in the test side, his uh, and his value as an ODA batsman and uh, you know even T20 batsman wasn't was never really questioned. People understood he had that, but then he had to prove himself that he actually you know could transfer all that to test as well. And he had a match-winning hundred against um, New Zealand in 2012 in Bangalore, um, and then he went on a tear uh, in 2014, 13-14 uh, in South Africa and New Zealand. Uh, the one place he struggled was in England, 2014, where I think he uh, got 140 runs in five tests. But um, you know, other than that, he's done pretty well everywhere. He's gone. He, as a batsman with the kind of experience, you know, amount of experience, international experience, I would say he's already ahead of uh, such a Tendulkar in terms of the curve. Yeah. Um, but Tendulkar started much early, so we should not compare the age-wise because Tendulkar by this time had 13 years of international experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as Kohli, not so much. Uh, only uh, seven years. So. Yeah, comparisons are uh, are invidious, and uh, I try to res- resist them. Uh, I think there's no denying that Kohli is uh, a player of greatness. Whether he'll maintain being a great player, we'll we'll wait and see in all formats. But uh, his talent and ability is um, so exciting. Is there, is there anybody else within the Indian squad that's uh, there in the Caribbean that uh, you're excited by um, beyond the obvious names? Um, well. You know, the side, the Indian test side, for a reasonably uh, reasonable amount of time, um, has become a more settled side. And uh, so there are no real surprises, obvious things. So what I'm always interested in is to see how the bowlers perform, uh, how they develop. Uh, so they have brought along um, Ishan Sharma, who has played more than 65 test matches. They have Umesh Yadav. They have uh, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar. Uh, and uh, they have brought along, um, you know, un- yet to be capped uh, bowler from Mumbai, and he's uh, Shardul Thakur, and uh, he's a good first-class bowler, and he's had two very good seasons, uh, first-class seasons, which is why he's earned. I'm, I was, I'm, ex- I was excited to see his name hmm. in the uh, squad announced for West Indies, uh, but I doubt he's going to get a game at all, if, if at all. Um, but, you know, he bowled decently in the uh, warm-up matches. Um, so, you know, but at least he's amongst uh, the Indian players. He's in the mix, so people haven't forgotten 
first class performance you know so it's not that your reputation um, or your name or which state you're playing for uh, all those things some to some degree matter but here i'm glad i was glad to see that he was in the mix because of his performances yeah it's uh, going to be interesting to see uh, how effective the indian and west indies spinners are uh, spinners been quite an important part in uh, in the Caribbean in recent years, mainly to do with the pitches. So some will favour seem, some will favour more 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 spin. Uh, do you expect uh, India to go in with two frontline spinners, Ashwin obviously, but uh, Mishra as well, or to be a bit more steady and just have uh, Jadeja in support? Um, so Virat Kohli, um, as since he took over as captain in 2014, towards the end of 2014, when India was in, was touring Australia. Uh, since then, he has professed um, uh, professed an inclination towards having five bowlers, five frontline bowlers, and if that happens to be Ashwin and Jareja, including Ashwin and Jareja, who gives some amount of batting, and so sort of the middle order is lower middle order is not completely devoid of any batting skills. Yeah. So my only question here would be like, do they go with three paces and two spinners, or two paces and three spinners? Mm. Um, given um, so, I think initially they'll start with three paces and two spinners, um, Jadeja and Ashwin. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they bowl all three spinners in at least one of the games. Yeah, well, no, that'd be very, very... Yeah, and, and I think um, um, on te- even the spin department, I think India is ahead um, of West Indies. Oh, question. They have three quality spinners, um, leggy, left-arm orthodox, and right-arm off-spin. So they have variety, they have experience, um, people that have played against the West Indies and also in the West Indies and uh, been around for a while, uh, taken wickets on helpful tracks as well as unhelpful tracks. So um, I think India's covered their bases pretty well, considering um, they're playing in West Indies. Um, so I think they have come along uh, quite, you know, I think this is actually their... Um, uh, you know, trial run to see because they have 13 more tests at home to see uh, how the how these players pan out, batsmen, bowlers, um, and they've picked Stuart Brini as an all-rounder because there isn't uh, any all-rounder in India basically, seam bowling all-rounder. So they've picked him just in case if they were if they see a pitch with a lot of grass on it, which I doubt, highly doubt. Yeah. Now, as, as, as a utility man, he's a, yeah. he's a useful uh, squad member. No, I entirely agree with you. There's no comparison between uh, the resources, spin resources in uh, the Indian side and, and West Indies. Uh, Bishu's exciting, but he's not really managed to string together uh, back-to-back test performances, often because he, his fingers can't take two tests in a row. So. Yeah. I'd be I'd be surprised if he uh, is the is the force in this series. I mean, from the West Indian point of view, what would what would be a, a qualified relative success for them in this series as a result? Um, qualified um, success. Uh, well, if they win, uh, if they draw the series, that would be phenomenal for them. Absolutely. Uh, so if they, if they can draw, the, I don't know. I don't think they have the resources to win a series, but. They can definitely draw a series because that's the beauty of a test match that you, you can play for a draw. Um, so, um, so if they could do that, that would be a great achievement. Um, obviously, this—I don't mean this to offend the West Indies or <laughs> Indian fans or anything of the sort—but that's the reality. Is yeah. that 
you know, there is a vast gulf between these two sides. And if West Indies could draw the series, it would be great. Whether it's 0-0 series draw or 2-2 draw or 1-1 draw, however it goes, it will be a great accomplishment. Yeah. Um, I don't see it being a 2-2 draw. Uh, if anything, uh, I would say even if you consider like one test match to be affected by weather, um, you know, 2-1 or 3-0 for India. That's how I see it. Interesting. I mean, there's every chance. There's the uh, cricket in the Caribbean recently, particularly in the uh, uh, age group uh, competitions that have been going on lately, have been devastated by the weather. So uh, the, that that may well come into play. I mean, personally, I think uh, if if West Indies would win a test, that would be a, a success, even if they went mm-hmm. down 3-1. If they could, I, I would be looking for them to be competing. If they lost 4-0, but for argument's sake, they were still well within the game into day three and four, then mm-hmm. that, to me, would be an achievement and something for them to build upon. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I cannot disagree with you there. Yeah. Um, India have got a new manager. They've got uh, Anil Kumble, who's uh, in place. What's he going to bring uh, to the party, as it were? Well, um, as the head coach of the side, I mean, the role of the coach has changed tremendously over the years. So, um, you know, it's no longer... Um, the coach is responsible for addressing the batting technique issues and bowling technique issues and giving fielding drills and setting up nets and taking care of uh, the ride to the ground all the, and waking these guys up, all this stuff. So the, there, there are people to do all that now. So head coach is basically a manager, uh, as you said, and uh, he has to manage mostly the feelings and the emotions and the egos, uh, keep him in check. Uh, in that sense, Anil Kumble brings... Uh, gravitas to the uh, to the job that mm. all these guys that are playing for India right now would have grown up um, seeing Anil Kumble as the unquestioned match winner for India. So uh, he has he doesn't have to do anything to gain the respect, so to speak. So when he walks into the room, they're going to be you know very very uh, differential to him. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Anil Kumble. Uh, what, because we didn't know what went on in the process, we cannot really say why they chose him over others. Because there are equally good uh, or well-qualified candidates that were there amongst the final shortlisted 21 people yeah. that have similar gravitas, experience, and the will to win sort of thing. Um, so I don't know exactly why they chose Anil Kumble. What is it that um, convinced people, at least the people observing from the outside, that yeah, once Anil Kumble's name was in the, uh, he threw his hat in the ring. It was inevitable. I, I did not see why it was inevitable. Hmm. Beyond Anil Kumble's reputation as a player. Yeah. And of course, he's not going to be bowling uh, for India, <laughs> right? So, uh, I do not know exactly what he has brought to the table that is going to be useful. I mean, I wish him all the best, hmm. and hopefully someday he talks about the process of him being selected. Hopefully, Sarah Ganguly, Sachin Tendulkar, Vivian Lakshman explained why they chose one of their former teammates with whom they played at least 65 test matches each. Um, tell us why. Uh, but uh, people might call me cynical, but you know, <laughs> this was a process that BCCA put in place to at least look to be professional, seem to be transparent, even though they had three people on the panel that played with this particular candidate, and so there is an obvious conflict of interest. Mm. 
uh, and they never addressed any of that. I mean, obviously, people, um, cricket observers, uh, writers, journalists, and the whole cricket ecosystem, you know, uh, give a clean chit to these three gentlemen, and well, all four of them, uh, for being upstanding creators and represent India uh, in a very dignified way, uh, earning respect not with just within India but all over the world as good and bad, great ambassadors of the sport and the nation. Yeah. But there is still a conflict of interest that was never addressed. It, it, it seems to me, I mean, clearly you're indicating that uh, uh, if you'd have been on that panel, that um, uh, you're, you're surmising that uh, Anil Kumble wouldn't have been your selection. But Not really, not really. Um, I, I didn't, I'm not saying that at all. He could very well be, I might end up picking him too, but okay. I have no idea why they picked him. Would would it be fair to say though, just to focus on this then, if there is uh, that suspicion or just that uh, that concern there um, about not just the selection of Kumble by those on the panel, but the selection of those that were on the panel itself? Yes, uh, yeah, there is. Uh, you can um, think along those lines, but I mean the BCCI they have had so many issues to that basically sullied their name, their brand. So they needed to do something to be seen doing the right thing, not only by the the judicial systems that came down heavy on them, but as well as the paying public. Yeah. And this was um, out, uh, obvious way to show that the current BCC administration is a, uh, you know, is definitely different from the previous yeah. administration led by Mr. Srinivasan. Yeah. So there is an obvious fork in the road, is what convey, I think they are trying to convey to us. Um, so in that sense, they have done a good job, showing that you know this is how we are trying to do things. Uh, we are going to bring in people of impeccable reputations, um, and they will be selecting people to do jobs who have impeccable reputations. All that is great, but still the process matters because if 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 uh, we say that oh well. You know, they put in a process. We don't really know what the process was. We don't know how the interview went. Not many, much information on those things. However, they ended up with one of the most suitable, qualified candidates. Great. Right? So because it's Anil Kumble, you say that the process was right. Then you're setting yourself up for disappointment uh, later on because you're not then clearly uh, critiquing the process. You're only giving a clean sheet to the process because it produced... In this case, a uh, right man for the job. Is he perhaps, has he been perhaps uh, selected then uh, first and foremost for his ambassadorial qualities rather than for his coaching qualities? Well, we, I don't know. I do not know. If I have to take a guess, I mean, uh, he, he has worked as a uh, mentor, quote unquote, uh, for uh, Royal Challenges Bangalore as well as Mumbai Indians. So, and that job, uh, and I have spoken to uh, John Wright about it, who. Mm is the head coach for Mumbai Indians. And so I've heard, like, what is it that Kublai does there? And he's like, well, you know, he is the link between the upper management, which is the owners, and uh, Kumble is the link between the upper management and to the coaches, uh, head coach as well as the assistant coaches. So in that sense, here, probably uh, Anil Kumble's role is similar and that his role is between the selectors and whatever management of BCCI and to the head coaches, uh, sorry, assistant coaches, the Sanjay Bangar and whoever else he hires more full term 
as he goes along. So in that sense, he has had experience twice in two different franchises. So it's possible that uh, there was no one else that had this. And also he comes in with um, a reputation of uh, hard worker, um, attention to detail, um, smart man, conveys his ideas well, and takes, uh, you know, is uncompromising. Hmm. He will not take no for an answer, sort of guy. So, or maybe, you know, yeah. if I were in the, in the panel, interview panel, probably I could have, I may, I may have ended up with Anil as well, but at least I would have an idea of yeah. what is it that you're bringing to the table better than everybody else that brought to the table. So. Yeah. No, no, I, I can see that. Um, you, I think you used the phrase there, uh, fork in the road. I mean, clearly, uh, test cricket is at a crossroads. And the uh, what's happened with the BCCI lately in the, uh, let's call it the re- regime change, as it were, um, mm-hmm. there are challenges facing uh, test cricket. And there does seem to be this, a more positive feel uh, about where the direction may be, or the choices that are going to be made, and perhaps mm. a little bit more uh, universal interest rather than self-interest. Those have been the accusations uh, you know, quite plainly made in things like Jared Kimber's film Death of a Gentleman and and, and, and other things like that. Um, do, do, you, are you, do you share that confidence, and do you think that's going to manifest itself in some of the, the intentions there are for Test Cricket? I'm thinking about some of the ideas being banded around now, like the increase in day-night test cricket to perhaps uh, increase the number of fans, the widening of test cricket to associate members, um, even two divisions of test cricket. I know that's quite a wide-ranging question, but <laughs> share a positive outlook. And somebody uh, looked very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, listen, whether it's test cricket or something else, I always live in hope mm. um, that things are good, they can be better, and they will be better in the future. Right. You know, uh, it's not as bad as people claim it to be. It's not as great as people claim it to be. But it's, so it's somewhere in between. But it can be better. And if we all work together, eventually it will get better. So I live in that hope uh, for human society and which encompasses test cricket as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, yeah. So there are some small steps. You know, the uh, proposal for a two-tiered uh, test match, uh, test cricket rather. Um, it is good in that sense that there are 12 teams. Yeah. So that's two more than what we have. Um, so, so at least they're expanding the club uh, since the last time uh, a team was included, which was Bangladesh in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have had 17 years of nobody else coming into the club. Uh, so finally we have somebody, two more people, possibility of two, two more teams. So that is... Uh, way of looking at it, a positive way of looking at it. However, um, really, if you treat, I mean, you can say, like, you know, it's not 6-6 or 8-4. Instead, it's 7-5, and I can understand why it is 7, because you need 7 votes from the full members to pass the proposal. Hmm. So if you made it 6, and the 4 full members vote against it, uh, so the proposal is DOA, um, which is why it's 7, I think. Um, Now, so... Um, it's good that there are two more teams. It's not so great that there are going to be two tiers. But if it allows for um, proper, you know, there is no, if it allows for more test cricket for a lot more nations more regularly, um, I'm all for it. Um, that's why I have nothing against day night cricket either. So no. if you think by playing test cricket, 
starting at 3 p.m., 4 p.m., or whenever you want to start, um, uh, and your conditions allow you to do that, do it. You know, bring more people through the uh, turnstiles, have more people watching it on television, um, have more people watching it online in a stream, uh, whatever it is that you can do that allows cricket, not just test cricket, allows cricket to be seen, watched, uh, bringing in uh, more interest in the game, more money into the game, um, so, you know, uh, which allows for um, nations that are not so well off, you know, if you have a, a collective bargaining agreement that allows more uh, nations that are not financially well off to get more money so that they can invest in their grassroots uh, cricket from first-class level to women's cricket to disability cricket to uh, youth cricket, uh, schools cricket, all, all that. I am all for it. So make cricket should make a lot more money than it is making right now and should reinvest into their systems to yeah. make it more robust so that we are not constantly talking about like, well, is cricket, test cricket dying? <laughs> or is cricket in West Indies dying? Yeah. Or uh, why haven't Bangladesh done better? Um, do Indian cricketers care about test cricket? Um, you know, should the English cricket be, players be allowed to play in the IPL? All these things, like, you just go over them again and again and again, never really addressing the fundamental causes, which is the imbalance of the uh, revenue for the various nations. Yeah. And hence, the various players. So, if we are moving towards a system that allows to have some balance in terms of revenue, or at least if the three nations that are making the most money, India, Australia, and England, yeah. let them keep making as much as they want. But I also want the remaining seven full members plus associates to make a lot more than what they're making now. So that will allow for cricket to be a more global sport than it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 I agree with you. Um, I don't know what the answers are for those countries to uh, uh, create more money. Um, but one of the areas the area of uh, making money worldwide is, is 2020 cricket. Uh, we do have, this is, yeah, just as a, a final topic before we wrap up uh, that I do want to look at. India here in uh, the Caribbean on this tour, at the same time the CPL is going on, um, first of all, do you think that's a conflict or is that actually going to open some, uh, uh, open the window, as it were, back to India on, on that competition? And do you think there is the, the scope for there to be more cooperation, see some Indian players playing in the CPL, that kind of thing? It, it really, the sort of things you're talking about, making cricket more universal and more overlapping uh, from country to country. Um, I don't, I don't have issues with uh, CPL running parallel to the Test Series. I mean, we are seeing that, uh, you know, Sri Lanka and Pakistan are currently, well, Pakistan are currently touring and Sri Lanka just did. And we have had NatWest 20 uh, blast going on side by side. Um, I haven't had uh, anybody complaining that, you know, uh, what are you doing, you know, because Test Cricket, it draws, it's got, at least in England, it draws a certain type of crowd. And uh, the T20 draws a certain type of crowd. And I'm assuming um, even in Caribbean, where there is a lot more uh, preference, I suppose, at least in places like Trinidad, to T20 than to Test cricket. That is not to say that you wouldn't find uh, the stands at least more than three quarters full on the weekend you know, at Trinidad. I'm betting that it would be 
uh, I'm more than willing to wager uh, good money to yes. say that you will have sufficiently large numbers of people uh, coming through uh, f- to watch a test cricket. So uh, I don't have any issues in terms of that. Um, however, um, you know, I guess Phil Simmons said that, you know, the players in the test squad can play CPL, T20, whatever they want, but he wants them at least 10 days in advance of the test series to be available to him to prepare for the test series. So, um, you know, to unlearn some of the T20 habits and relearn some of the test cricket habits, uh, I would have wanted it uh, more, uh, you know, more time for these test cricketers, uh, you know, um, so that they can get acclimatized more to playing the test cricket brand uh, rather than T20 so that they can compete, uh, they can at least do what their talents uh, promise. Uh, you know, like, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch Marlon Samuels and Dwayne Bravo scoring runs for fun. It's just a beautiful thing to watch. So I, I just hope, um, I mean, I, I, for these players, at least this 11, 13, 15, whatever, if they had come to uh, training nets and playing board presidents and whatnot a uh, lot more than playing in the CPL, other than that, I have no issues with CPL. Now, uh T20 as a whole, um, I have no issues. I mean, you know, like it's a, another way to make money for cricket. Um, it's the golden goose right now, so mm-hmm. they're trying to. Every country is trying to capitalize as much as they can. Uh, hopefully, they don't strangle the goose. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, so everything is great in moderation. But I think we may have been uh, slightly on the other side of, uh, you know. Uh, restraint. Um, so hopefully uh, the system corrects itself. Um, otherwise, I don't have any issues, but people need to understand um, that if it's the same players that have to be shared between T20, uh, Test Cricket, uh, Franchise T20, ODIs, um, you're going to put a lot of strain on these players. Uh, as fit as they seem, a lot of them in modern cricket, you're going to put a lot of strain on them because if you don't have sufficient time to recuperate, uh, just relax, um, uh, have a regular off-season, it's going to be tough. Which is why I don't see Indian cricketers in mass taking part in CPL. Even though you have, you know, Calcutta Knight Riders, Trinbago Knight Riders, uh, so there's already an interest from India, and it's the title sponsor is Hero Motorcycles. Um, so uh, there is at least sufficient interest from India already. So. I don't have to go further on that. But however, because it happens in June, July, August period, which is generally the downtime for the Indians after grueling IPLs and stuff. So uh, that's why I don't see a lot of Indians, at least the upper echelon of Indians who yeah. are also active international cricketers uh, taking part. In yeah, but th- that was going to be my suggestion. Is is there perhaps scope for there to be some kind of cooperation whereby it's not Virat Kohli necessarily who goes along or Ashwin or uh, or the the, the top the top tier players, but some of the up and coming exciting youngsters uh, get one of each of those into a into a Caribbean twenty twenty side. I mean, in fact, I I don't know about the youngsters. Like uh, I'm of the belief that the youngsters first need to get their games uh, properly grounded uh, before. Uh, T20 is an option. I mean, I understand that it goes yep. against fundamental rights of a player to make a living, but Indian board can afford to pay these guys uh, not to play T- free ch- franchise T20 everywhere when they are young. Once you have built your game, you have strong foundations, do whatever you want. Uh, I think this was a one of the uh, 
recommendations by Rod Marsh uh, a couple of years ago when he gave the lecture at Lords. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, or uh, sorry, in 2013-14 Ashes in Australia. Um, so I, I like to, I think that's a good idea. Uh, I think there's some value to it. Um, however, you know, you, you can still bring in like someone like MS Dhoni. He's no longer playing test cricket. Yeah, quite right. Right? Um, India doesn't have any ODI T20 commitments right now. Yeah. He can play in CPL and he'll be a much bigger draw. Oh. Anyway, right? Obviously. Um, so you can bring in MS Dhoni, uh, perhaps, uh, I don't know, um, well, pl- pl- who's like pl- some recently retired or yeah. people that are out of favor with the selectors because they are too old or not in good form or whatever, but they have decent T20 career. So they can also play. Yeah. Then I, I won't have any issues with those. Yeah. Uh, my thing is like protecting these people really young when the body hasn't developed. Or the game hasn't developed. Or people that play far too much cricket already for the national side plus the IPL side. I want to. I would like to protect their bodies. No, I, I, I think you're right, and I think uh, I think we all agree that it's uh, it, there should be a balance found between uh, these these tournaments. Uh, somebody really needs to come up with some sort of blueprint that will work for everybody. Just just one last question before before I let you get back uh, before we both get back to watching the uh, uh, the ongoing Lord's Test match between. Chris uh, Walks has taken his wicket. <laughs> taken the second wicket. Um, there in the Caribbean, you said about the uh, the, the the fan base and things. There is a much bigger support for CPL cricket than there is for Test match cricket. I personally believe that if West Indies could, by hook or by crook, get themselves back up the ladder, get themselves a force again, the fans would come out and watch. Um, watching cricket in the Caribbean is a wonderful, wonderful experience. I know you've experienced it and loved it. When are you going back to watch some more? Um, I am planning on going for the uh, fourth Test match, actually. Ah, you are? Yeah, I'm planning on that. Um, I haven't booked the flight tickets yet, but uh, I might do it in a day or two. Um, so I'm, for that, I'm going back because I love going to Trinidad, test cricket or not. Um, the food is just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you miss your Trinidad uh, doubles. <laughs> yeah, I love I love Trinidad doubles, obviously. Uh, and uh, the uh, heroes uh, that you know the. Um, that they sell in uh, the main thoroughfare, Aripita uh, Boulevard Avenue. Um, uh, the uh, people of city and descent that live there and serve it, the lamb is just melts in your mouth. Mm. So, yeah, I, I cannot wait to get back there. <laughs> and also, in it, it's a fantastic thing because if, when you are um, in the stands, uh, people bring their coolers stuffed with uh, vodka, rum, uh, <laughs> And all kinds of, you know, food, jerk chicken and whatnot. And they share with everybody. Uh, So, and I've had terrific experience in the Caribbean and especially Trinidad watching test. So, can't wait to go back. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I, I envy you. Uh, I miss it. I was back there earlier this year and saw uh, saw Guyana against Barbados in Barbados, a first class game, and yeah, I was knocking back the the the, the banks and the uh, the Mount Gay rum. You of course in Trinidad, you'll be drinking Angostura. Yep, of course. And uh, no, no, no. Think of me when you have one, Simon. I will. I will do. <laughs> Thank you ever so much for spending some time chatting with me. Um, where can people uh, uh, chat with you online? Um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful talking to you. Uh, we go 
I guess ways back, uh, at least a few years now. Mm. And you were a terrific host uh, for me and my wife when we Thank traveled. Um, at, in Barbados, you were a terrific host. Thank you so much to you and your missus. <laughs> and uh, people can follow me at The Cricket Couch on Twitter uh, or thecricketcouch.com where I have resumed my blogging fun. Yeah. Thank you so much, David. No, lo- lovely to have you. And, uh, yeah, everybody, please keep up with uh, reading uh, Subhash's uh, very, very intelligent and insightful stuff. It's uh, it's a lot better than uh, some of the things out there. This has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, uh, with me, David Orm, and I hope you can join me again sometime soon. Goodbye.